I am wearing pants today, absolutely. Hey. Welcome, radio listening audience. It is high noon here in San Francisco. It's 8 o'clock over there in Glasgow, Scotland. We are getting ready right now for the Choose Poetry, Choose Life. Awesome reading that happens every other week on Zoom, but live here through mutinyradio.fm in .sf. I'm Pam Benjamin. I'm here with Erin Gannon. She's going to be live in a second. I'm going to plug everybody in. But until then, before the, the beautiful dulcet tones of all of my friends from the other side of the pond uh, give us their wonderful work. Um, I'm excited. I always, I'm, I just, I love poetry so much. It's always a joy to be here and to hear everybody's work and uh, for people to express themselves in these crazy COVID times. And wow, I would write a poem about storming the Capitol, but it's just too easy. It's shooting fish in a barrel at this point. It's more of a joke than a, than a poem. The, the, the fall of democracy. The, it's like, ah, look at America fall apart. I mean the United States, because America technically is South America and North America, so it sort of is pretentious of me to say, America. All right, we're going to be right back with poetry here. Choose poetry, choose life. From Glasgow, Scotland, Aaron Gannon, Pam Benjamin. Andy Talbot's out today. We miss him already. But we'll be right back. Yay! Iceland, Chile, and the Philippines. Vote for my opponent. Purple co-host is in the alphabet reading. And this is my cat who is very interested in the fizzy liquid in my glass. Affects cats. Is it like catnip except worse? Or uh, I have no idea. They get drunk. I don't know how it works. Do, do they have AA for cats? I'm just wondering, asking for a friend. Oh, <laughs> that's a cute kitty face. <laughs> uh, okay, so who, what, bought, like, yeah, welcome to the extended apocalypse. Who wants to go first? <laughs> Some brave person. <sighs> Who's going to take the bullet? Break. I still have to look up all my hair. I'll admit this person. Uh, okay, go ahead, John. Okay. Well, um... Just everybody can mute themselves and or stay quiet for John. Sure. Here's uh, <laughs> shooting fish in the barrel about the current situation in America. Don't mock Hitler's mustache. At Yalta... While America wore olive drab or navy blue, the ad man wore a silk tie and jacket of vicuña wool. After Stalin left, the ad man spoke to leaders of grounds fertilized by a half million dead from bullet, bomb, and flame. 
words hurt? How can we heal by saying the master race ran death camps? How about the predominant genealogy hosted repose resorts instead? Appointing Adolf Eichmann head of health and human services would be seen as a gesture of goodwill. For effective messaging, use these substitutions, not anti-Semitism, but Aryan pride, not national socialism, but civic communitarianism, not totalitarianism, but discipline and order, not sneak attack, but dazzling advance, not world war, but macrocosmic contest, not Holocaust, but extermination engineering. With my strategy, you'll win the war of ideas. I mean, the altercation of abstractions. Okay, two more. Theater of space and time. You appear on a stage of stopwatches and meter sticks only to have a drink thrown in your face. Tracy, how could you? A woman in a blue skirt drops her glass, buries her face in her hands and sobs. Harriet, I, you wipe the stained liquid from your eyes and realize you don't know your lines. How you got here and what led to the woman's outburst remain mysteries. How do you know her name? You stall for time, watching all the while for some clue. This is the last time you'll make a fool out of me. Harriet removes a nickel-plated pistol from her purse and aims it at your face. The nine-millimeter automatic is small enough to fit her tiny hand, but its barrel looms cavernous with doom. Is there some kind of script to follow, or should you ad lib? You turn to where the prompter should be, but your senses can no more pierce the realm beyond this stage of space and time than the twinkle of a firefly on an August night can penetrate the methane clouds that cloak Saturn's moons in perpetual darkness. The playwright, director, theater owner, audience, entrances and exits remain unknown. Only your death imminent or remote is certain. And one more, this is called Future World. Few patrons come to the theme park anymore. Those who do snicker at Kim's spandex bodysuit and aluminum miniskirt. Oh sure, the jetpack and radio controlled dogs still captivate the little boys, but even they rush out of the geodesic dome when they hear the Geiger counter ticking by the nuclear locomotive. It's not like the glory days. Attendance at the skids after I totaled the flying car. You can still see the dent it made on the satellite dish. Good thing Kim was safe in the underground lab at the time. The home of tomorrow's been an embarrassment ever since the robot maid's plutonium battery went dead. You can't replace them anymore without a truckload of paperwork. Makes me hot under my Nehru collar. 
Kim won't clean, says she's too busy with law school, and I spend most of my time chasing donations to reopen the Pan Am moon base. Is it any wonder that last the last tour group found spider webs between the spherical chair and the videophone? Sometimes I think I should let Taco Bell buy me out and spend the rest of my life playing miniature golf, but it's hard to abandon my dream. Oh, well, I've got to teach the Univac his language lesson and pull the control rods out of the reactor to heat up the energy bars. Kim hates it when Kim is. Thank you. And uh, if you haven't had enough of me, uh, I have two poetry features coming up. One of them tonight and the next one uh, on next Tuesday. I'll post a link in the chat. in the chat and next on the currently being proposed list is lisa hello lisa hello um thank you so much for having me and great reading john thank you for that um that was really beautiful um so i have three short poems for today um the first one is a villanelle that isn't really titled currently but the epigraph is it's a COVID villanelle, basically. Um, the epigraph is, I once had a bird, its name was Enza. I opened the window, an influenza. So here's the um, villanelle. I can feel summer life slip and trick love through a sieve. Pandemic keeps a tight grip. Burnout, a snuffed out candle's drip of thick hot wax. To grieve the eve, I can't feel summer light. Slip into and out of the known script, it's the way we're per perceived. Pandemic keeps a tight grip on us and the plans we cancel. This trip is cruel. Capitalism remains unforgiven. I can't feel summer light. Slips through your mask, I hear your qu quick quips. By your laughter, my tensions relieved. Pandemic keeps a tight grip, like your fingertip. Together we twirl and dip, our dance is infinite. Up your sleeve, I can feel summer lights as we slip. Pandemic keeps a tight grip. Um, the next poem I wrote is um, about my French press. It's actually a love sonnet to my French press that I got over Christmas. Um, so yeah, this is, um, French press sonnet. If God were real and made in our perfectly flawed image, they would have said, let there be coffee. Brewed in a French press, impatient, we waited in the kitchen after four minutes to speak. The universe, so tinny at the time, a pinprick, fills with the scent of the fresh ground, the beans. Our clay is made of these used remains. We are only then awake and molded after them. Jittery, we are thrust into light. Um, and my last poem is a draft that I'm working on. It's a huzzle, which is an Arabic form. Um, and my huzzle is titled, A Huzzle That Wishes to Bloom. 
On a prickly cactus, something pink can bloom. Who, where, or when gives permission to bloom? Gruesomeness that's allowed. The finale crescendos. You were a staccato bloom. Plucked me in a vase. Naive. Nothing is kept like me on the hot stove to bloom. New England, I stayed awake for you. I would have bled dry for you. Wasted bloom. A mushroom cloud. The flies plague the bedroom. The night can't bloom. There was never a fire inside us. Your petals turned a leathery bloom in my mouth. A, cho a choked cough too soon. I found my own place to plant and bloom. Thomason joy could be out of reach, but get your hands in the dirt, try to bloom. Um, thank you so much. Again, my name is Lisa Kropchak. I can be found on Instagram. Um, and I actually have um, a poem forthcoming in Intangible Magazine and um, in, in parentheses. So thank you so much. Thank you, Lisa. Thanks for coming. Um, type your uh, Insta and the two publications in the chat so that people can check it out. Um, and I'm sure also probably look about how to submit to those publications as we all. <laughs> oh, you're published there? Let me write it down. Um, okay, so the next person that we have on our list is Ken Cumberledge. Hi, Ken. Hi there. <laughs> Hey everybody. Um, yeah, um, this um, first poem I'm going to read kind of fits the way the weather is, at least here in the UK. Um, this was written on a very deeply frosted night with a clear cloudless sky, a kind of night when you think that nothing is alive in nature. It isn't true. This is called Night Watch. Slow of pulse and steady purposed in the darknesses behind stark moonlit sheds, the lee of mossy walls, in stealths of ground mist, corded wood stores, eaves of hoarfrost crystalled roofs, antennae tuned alive at every sense to the parentheses that breathe between chill owl hoot, harsh stricken vixen call, lie Covert all, the overlooked, unreckoned with, unshown, keeping winter's night watch that you might stand as you do now, stamping, coughing, blowing on your hands, and think yourself alone. Thank you. Um, second poem is, uh, yeah. Recently, I had the misfortune of encountering on Zoom somebody who rubbed me up the wrong way, in a big way. You'll see why when you hear this poem, which is me venting my frustration and anger. It's called Getting It. That's it. I'm going to have to buy a goat. Just so next time I can hand it over at the outset. Say, goat, here you go. I might as well. You'll end up with it anyway, as your kind always do. It's like you've got an automatic right to it, this goat of mine, so my goat's what you get. And if you hadn't noticed, well, why would you? It's not just me feels this way. I'm not alone. 
You think I'm kidding? Want to bet? I lay odds you own a drove of goats by now, vast paddocks brimming with the horny spawn of Capricorn. Makes sense. You look the type. I've got previous, you see, with overhearty, slick, entitled uber tossers of your stripe. You for whom there is no room, no social space, you don't assume is yours the moment you arrive. No gathering you can't dominate, no conversation you won't wrest control of, commandeer without a second thought and steer into the tight discursive narrows you prefer to navigate. Where you can hold forth, prate, pontificate, serenely unaware that everybody else around you reached the limit of endurance 15 seconds after you began to speak. You're a sponge, a void, a parasite, a fucking incubus. Now, pardon me, I'm off to goats or us. Thank you, everybody. If we have a second round, I've got a couple more. Cheers. <laughs> Sorry, I, I always forget to unmute myself. Thanks, Ken. Wait, am I muted or am I unmuted? It's telling me I'm muted. You're unmuted. I can hear you. Like the sun. It's like right. Okay. Hi. Um, we are moving on to Holly Jackson. Um, she's got to leave early, so Holly. Hello. Hi. I'm good. Thanks. How are you? Cool. I'm good. good. Um, I just have one piece tonight. Yes, unfortunately, I have to leave early because I have to be up for work at stupid o'clock in the morning. Um, so um, I don't want to explain this piece too much because I think it'll give give away the ending. So um, I'll just say that I wrote it yesterday um, in response to something that someone I know shared on Facebook, which had a phrase in it that I absolutely hate. And that phrase is, we're all in the same boat. So I wrote this um, and it's it's not a poem. It's um it's a short fiction. I suppose you could call it a prose poem if you wanted to. And it's called uh, The Same Boat. Once upon a time, there was a great storm over the sea. It rolled in slowly. The horizon darkened gradually. Some boats noticed the approaching clouds and put down anchor. They called to the surrounding vessels, attempting to warn them of the potential danger, but many couldn't hear. Some of the larger ships called out across the ocean, telling those around them not to worry, that the danger was too far away to be of concern. Many of the smaller boats, trusting in the ship captains to keep them safe, chose to ignore the clouds, even as they got closer, even as the sky darkened and the rain began to fall. It wasn't too long before the rain was falling heavy, blocking the dark sky and battering the many boats drifting on the water. The captain of the largest ship called out to the others. He assured them all that, sorry, he assured them that all was well. That if they all stayed calm, the storm would pass soon. But the great storm did not pass. It only got worse. Strong winds and crashing waves rocked the smaller boats to and fro on the water like matchboxes. Thunder rolled across the sky. And as flashes of lightning illuminated the ocean, the true chaos of the great storm could be seen more clearly. Torrential rain hammered down. Those in the smaller boats frantically tried to use buckets to bail out the rising water. The people in the larger, more lavish vessels 
rolled out vast canvases to shield themselves and their ships from the storm. Some whole families huddled together on ramp or raft, held on to each other for dear life. All the while, many people from boats all across the sea let it be known that they were not concerned about the storm, that they would not be kowtowed into living in fear, huddled together on their respective vessels. They dived into the sea, swimming defiantly against the current, splashing jovially, seemingly blind to the storm that raged all around them. Many other vessels, swerving in an attempt to avoid hitting the idiotic sea revelers, capsized, <laughs> sending their luckless passengers into the thrashing sea. Before the great storm was to pass, many lives would be lost, though many more from the humblest vessels, less protected from the raging storm. As people's fear and desperation grew, they called out to the largest ship's captain, pleading vainly for aid. The captain, secure in his almost invulnerable ship, called out through the great storm to reassure his frightened people. Fear not, he smiled encouragingly, for though the storm may be tempestuous, we are all in the same boat. <laughs> that was awesome! Thank you. That's me for tonight. That was killer, Holly. Wow. Thank you so wow. much, Holly. Wow. Everybody's jealous of your sweater. Wow. <laughs> I'm Thank you. This is my, my house is freezing because it's old and the heating's crap jumper. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> that was the best COVID poem I think I've heard yet. I loved, I love, love, love the overarching metaphor and you were so spot on. I, I totally dig that. That was amazing. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Pam. That means a lot. Next up, we have Beth Hartley. Uh, got you. Yes, the spotlight. There we go. Oh my. Okay. Bam! You're on stage. Ah. <laughs> I wonder. Um, like, could I, is there some? Oh shit. Have some sort of thing where you can make a uh? rises, right? Like. Well, Make what? Like a curtain that. Runs, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like special effects. <laughs> She's a witch. Anyway, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie. I'm in a massive blanket. <laughs> it's really cold. Um. Yeah. No. Well, I've got new shit I'm working on, but I'm not ready to read it yet. So, um, some old shit instead. Sorry, this one says 2017, but it just about sums up how I'm feeling tonight. Um, many years ago, in my previous phase of poetry, I wrote a poem called The Little Night Muse. And then, <laughs> and then, so this is called A Little Night Muse, too. Some days I'm not a poet. Some days I am a fish matching, garden designing, heap of sticky insecurity, hiding out, playing games. Some days I am not a writer. My art words are clunky, not so funky, mostly junky. I blow words everywhere but on a page. Sometimes the prose falls apart, sometimes the lines won't rhyme, sometimes I cannot make anything that captures what's inside. And then there are the nights when this disrespecting muse it slides 
align into my semi-conscious gauge, then die on bed falling, pen grabbing, tumble scrawling, paper stabbing, gathering up the things I find into this. Where I am something even I can marvel at. I do not comprehend. Simply thank my silent friends as they slip once more out the door. Um. We're very far away from people, and I'm finding that quite hard at the moment. Um, I just, I, yeah, I want to see my mum, and my dad is not so well, and um, I love my family, but I'd quite like to see somebody else. <laughs> um, and and so I've been thinking a lot about the people that I'm far away from. And how difficult it is to hold on to to uh, faith in your relationship. I have a, a friend who always finds his emails keep the faith, and he has done for about oh thirty five years, I think probably thirty years certainly. Um, this is called Avadar. This heavy heart. This tired mind. This sense of breaking within. This place where I figure out what to say. This is how I pray. With every fibre, every stumbling word. Every syllable, every time I write and delete, write and delete, write and delete, this is how I pray. I've tried the kind with closed eyes, tried sitting in my room, but it sits on my skin and won't let me rest, the itch in my brain that's calling your name. This is how I pray. It's the waking, sweaty shouting when you come nighttime walking that sees me ring your number when the morning comes. It's the thing I see on eBay that makes me think of you. The card I slip in your pocket when I want you to know, love. The mending and the waiting. My heart is sitting, aching. This is how I pray. I pray with pens and paper. I pray with loaves and cake. I pray with little presents when it's hard to say the words. You think you don't know how. Think the conversation empty. If you're looking, someone's listening. This is how I pray. Yay! I love that boy. a beautiful poem <sighs> thank you Beth oh I love that line some days I am not a writer I might use it tonight it's true though isn't it not just the days when you just go <laughs> 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 and you spend the, the day going all of the words have fallen off I do anything I just have to hope they're not days when I'm in a writing group. 
or days when I have to be comprehensible to people I work with on like when I have to make phone calls for people which I do occasionally and I have to go oh yes by the way I'm Mrs so-and-so's representative <laughs> it's just like noodles everywhere yeah word constipated that's good and obviously it happens more and more <laughs> Uh, okay, so next is Christine Hall. Yay. Hey, hi, Christine. I'm asking you to unmute. Are you ready? You called me Christine Hall, so I was looking to see if she was yeah. here. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't know where that came from. Yeah. Sorry. Oh. It's all right. Just, I'm just confused. Okay. <laughs> um, this this first one, I don't know if people in the UK have been following the story about Ella Kissy Deborah uh, dying as a result of air pollution and uh, her mother's fight to get this recognised legally. And it was only oh. recognised legally in, in December. So this is where this poem comes from. It's called Remembering Ella. I... I'm nine years old. I, I do not breathe. Instead, I look down at my body as I am dead. No more gasping breaths shake my chest. No more drowning through lack of clean air. No more poison particles in my lungs. No more traffic fumes from passing cars. Only the wails of my mother, only the flooding tears she sheds, only the bright anger of her loss as the doctor pulls a blanket over my head. That was a really sad one. Um, this one is uh, one of cat lovers, and I know that Evan particularly likes cats, so it's a cat poem. <laughs> and it's called Ego, Thy Name is Cat. I am a tomcat, unafraid. As I stalk the path, I swagger and strut, swish my tail as my buttocks swing side to side. I call out at night. Howl and hollow, I'm here now. I leap onto walls, survey all I see. I am king, no queen for me. Mollies are what I seek as I take my pleasure. I decimate the mice, I cull the birds, I rattle the bins loudly. I announce my return. Open the door, servant, I shout. Warm air hits the cold. The door slides open. I swagger inside. Yeah. Cats, cats, cats. And the last one is one I um, wrote in August last year in summer, in that far off time when we had a few days when we weren't actually in lockdown. Um, and it's uh, called The Tombra of Your Voice. The Tombra of Your Voice sends out waves of desire down my spine. 
reaching to that soft inner secret place, fluid with longing. I shiver as nerves tremble and quiver. My skin would lock down, find downy hairs, reach out to catch your touch. My whole body is filled with anticipation, each nerve on fire, my breath quickening, my heart jumping, beating irregularly, hoping, anticipating that moment of sweet desire realised as my body climaxes into oblivion. That's my three folks. Yes, <laughs> Yay! Quite a mood swing you've taken us through. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> More fun that way. Sexy. <laughs> Not oh. to be predictable. <laughs> yeah, well, precisely. Also, I feel like the more, like, the sort of more we get locked in, the more everything that's inside becomes extreme. Yeah. Like, they like, get a box in and then everything sort of becomes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, Okay, so yeah, next is Finn. Hi, Finn. Hi there. Oh, Finn. It's me. It's me. Right. Have oh, a second. I always think that you're actually like in a cafe when you put that background on, and I'm like, why don't I live in Aberdeenshire? Well, if I if I move, the house. Like, you see me over my own shoulder. So <laughs> there you go. I always think that. I have to check my. Phone. This is uh, it's the last gig I did actually, and I got four four lockdown, and somebody took a photo for a blog they were doing on me, and I finished the photo. So there you go, and I love doing that because it makes people go, "Oh, this is me." Right, this one I can make it big. I can read it. It's new shit. I don't think I've done it anywhere. It's called questions and no answers. I do not remember, I cannot recall, when justice meant the very same thing for all, when colour or creed never mattered, nor gender, nor short or tall, when different views meant just that, and nothing to hate about, nothing to be berated about. In the meantime, there is one less star on the flag that flies in Europe, one less mouth being fed, as greed and avarice take stead. This year, and last, in Palestine, children cower in fear, not knowing if they can get to school. And if they do, will they have a home to go home to, a life to finish living? On January 6, 2020, a Confederate flag was paraded through the US Capitol government building, and at night, he was at home eating his dinner. Did he pose for selfies with the cops? Was he let through the barrier by the cops? Was he white? <laughs> you know he was. What if things were not as they are? What if equality actually meant equality? Uh, excuse me, it's just my imagination running away with me, but what if our imagination, ours, not just mine, did run away with us? Should we stop it? 
or just enjoy the adventure wherever it leads? What if those who lacked imagination were living in hell and imagination rather the reality of heaven? Could they be saved? Should they be saved? But if I follow my own philosophy, then they should be treated as equals, even though they may not want to treat others thus. Thinking they are better and different is something to be feared. Should they be thrown under the bus? And would they throw the brave people from Penale, the people who traveled far for such of a better life, single men, man and wife? Children are the future, we are told, but those with lack of imagination don't want them to grow old don't want that age-old right of equality and don't want us to question their sanity. Uh, this next piece was another new bit, new one. I wrote it actually the other day uh, on 10th of January on the anniversary of David Bowie's death. It's got lots of his song titles in it. It's called Beat of Your Drum. Where are we now? Five years on, five years after the tears, the shock. And I can't help thinking about me and how I can't explain that I felt like the loneliest guy for a while when I heard the news. I read the post my daughter wrote, it made no sense until my wife read it or heard it and told me. For a moment, there was a sense of doubt, right? Someone is telling lies, I thought, but still my eyes held tears. And years of him being my hero, different heroes, made it strange. After all, he just released Black Star, number 25, going through many changes, rearranges, songs to suit, songs to fit, songs to sing, a word on the wing. I still get sad without you, but I hold the time I listen to your real cool world and live in a happy land of the sound and vision you created where those outside thought you were nuts but we know better that not all your time was golden years not everything was a fantastic voyage but it was enough your fame and fashion your ideas and passion day in day out never let me down there you go Thank you all. And it's David Bowie too. Okay, so we have had six readers, but we have nine people besides me and Pam. So who hasn't read? Who hasn't read? Let's see. Natalie? I think that's it, actually. Um... Okay, well, so I guess I'll go. Yeah! Uh, <laughs> I Gannon, yeah! <laughs> I have stuff from the rock opera. I feel a little weird because everything's been serious, kind of, and I wanted, I thought, oh, well, I'll just do it after the break, and there'll have been a palate cleanser because of the break, but I guess I'll just be the palate cleanser. Okay. Um, I'm going to read them in what is just sort of chronological order. This is called Rock Rockabilly to the Rescue. 
first thing I remember knowing was a lonesome whistle blowing and a young'un's dream of growing up to write. Thomas was a runway model. Had he been inclined that way, he could have gone Givenchy. Serious skid row bullshit. Instead, we took a cab to his Fillmore basement stage. I want to describe it for you because it was a lot of awesome. This bitch was rockabilly to the core. The Bakelite standalone bar sparkled inside the top counter like a diner. He was playing Patsy Cline when, he arrived, when we arrived. He had a tiny three-piece, bass, hi-hat, and one fucking snare. You can say that one more time, cause I'm going to. A bass, a hi-hat, and one fucking snare. We sat at this bar. Empty, every empty bottle on every shelf behind that bar was Jim Beam. Every single one of them. Empty, gleaming from the inside out, the display artfully laced with Murray's superior hairdressing pomade. That we won't repeat. But we will say that pretty motherfucker could really keep a train beat. <laughs> I love reading shit aloud. Like you start realizing, like, you're like, wait a minute, I just switched from singular POV to plural. Ah! Edit time. When when you, um, when you bring this to San Francisco, I, I want to be in your rock opera. I hope that you'll cast. Oh yeah, me. no, totally. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm like, I want to okay. say those lines. You can be me. That's an argument. Seriously, that's an argument with my advisors. They want me to play myself, and I'm like, fuck that. Like, I'm so not doing that. Um, yeah. So please, please be me. Um, so this next one is called Puppies Join Bands Too. I joined a band. They're country and cool, and they picked me over another contender. He was older even, and his name was Dougals. Whose name is Dougals now? All I need to do is get a place in San Francisco, and my life here has come together. It only took three months. So nice. I'll get to see the city. The band seems cool. The heads of the band made me go to their apartment and watch Almost Famous as an initiation ritual. The singer cried, I cried. She said if I can stand watching that movie with her, then we'll get along. I think we'll get along. Now we have to find a lead guitar player. The drummer's name is Thomas. He has the coolest rehearsal space in his basement and we all drink Jim Beam the whole time. And I told them in my response to their ad that they should just let me in and I'll win them a Grammy. I suggested a nickname for myself, Baby Burrito, the Flying Burrito Brothers, you know? And then the next one is, I don't have a title for this one. <laughs> That's the name of the title. That's literally the title of the poem. Mama wants a band. I want to write songs, but I'm not sure I want to play them live. Maybe I just want to record, hide in the front room, attached to my four track. I could get signed by Kill Rock Stars. She keeps asking if I want to do it. I think if I let her do it by herself, I will lose her. She's the only thing I've ever had. So I say yes, and she shoots off like a rocket. I'm proud, but I can tell. I can tell I will let her down. I feel it already. The haze float up through me, clouding my eyes. I look away. I don't engage these people she has in the house. 
playing my songs. She sings them. She carries the search. She says it's for us. We'll make a record. We'll go on tour. All we need is the band. One album, eight songs, eight songs and a tour. Her dreams, my dreams. She says we should do this together. She says she wants to do it with me. I see the fog rising higher. It will end us. Yeah. One other one that I thought I would do. This one is called, and you wish the world was as tired as you. There now, go loose now, be loose. It's time to give the people what they want. It's time to give yourself a break. It's time to give the world a Coke, some Coke and a bunch of whiskey. Yeah, I want the world to go on one fuck of a bender. I mean, epic, like people's is losing their footwear, but just the one shoe they're losing, like that level. Did I say I hate drunk people, but this is drunk and full of blow, which is something else again. So the world has gotten fucked up on booze and blow, and now I'm sober in the middle. What happens? Do I come out smelling of toffee? Do I come out like a cart with a carton of smokes and a lighter for the jonesing? Maybe I'm glad everyone is now out of control so I can get some sleep, so I can relax and know that the judgments normally hurled my way by the already guilty will cease until after the world's hangover. Ha ha ha. After the world's hangover. Okay. Um, it's 8.45. Do we want to take a break until 9 and then go round the loop again? No, I haven't got to go. You want to go? Pam wants to go. Pam wants to go! Pam wants Yay. to go! Okay, Pam go. wants to go! Okay, cool. Yay! That was awesome, Aaron. Uh, I can't wait for the rock opera. I'm super, super excited. Am I unmuted? Am I good? I'm good. Uh, there are so many things I've enjoyed today. Um, first, I am a crazy cat lady, but not in the way you think. I want to take my cat, and I want to shave him, and I want to knit a sweater out of his fur, and I want to make him wear it. Because I'm crazy. I also love my cat. Uh, there's just cat fur. My entire house. It's like how much cat fur do I actually eat? I'd like to know at the end of the year if I create my own fur ball. All right. So first, Lisa. I loved your sonnet about uh, fun stuff. I wrote a sonnet about bacon. <laughs> Pigs. Uh, this is a – This is. I, I wasn't going to read it, but I brought it out just because I was like, oh. Uh, so this is the pig sonnet. And it's not a traditional 10-syllabic line count. It's a little shorter, but it's still... Anyway, 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 anyway. First, there was bacon. Crispy, sizzled strips. My heart was taken, bathed in greasy drips. Next, there was pork loin, butterflied thinly. Three cheeses to join. Cream sauce is key. Oh, my chorizo. Scary ground pieces spiced in adobo. Red oil releases. Pig is the lobster of the land. Every last part of it is grand. Be very serious about my pig poetry. Uh, okay. So do you guys want to hear? Oh, oh, I know which I wanted to read. One of my buddies died, which sucked. 
Uh, Aaron, I don't know if you knew Frosty Nugs. He was uh, Jamie Phillips. He was a comedian and uh, good guy. I saw him on your Facebook page, but I and I like investigated, but I didn't know. You didn't him. know him. Yeah, he was. I mean, he didn't really roll in poetry circles, and he probably came after you left. No, you were you were there around the same time a little bit, but but not really. Um, so I wrote a pantoum for him, pantoum. But it sounds like tomb, you know, like I feel like pantoums are perfect for memorials because they sound like tomb. And um, I'm also a big fan of form. Lisa had forms at the beginning and I I really enjoy the flip flopping. And I really like that it was a 15th century Malaysian form that was brought to France and England because of our colonization. I'm like, ha ha, we didn't just take your people and your cool things. We also took your poetry <laughs> structures and then made it super French. Okay. So pantoums have that flip flop structure. The first and third line become the, uh, the second and fourth become the first and third, blah, blah, blah. You're all poets. You know what I'm talking about. Okay. It's a little bit sentimental, but I mean, the guy died. So rare. And, and he started a comedy club called the Oakland unicorn that he started after COVID. And a lot of us got stage time. He did it in this alley. It was really cool. It was really, he was a really great guy. And he paid us all and he fed us all the time. So he's really nice. Okay. Rare as a unicorn assumed to fail. Do you believe in unicorns? Tiny tables and laughter? Assumed to fail, you promised me nothing and over-delivered tiny tables and laughter. Every time fed and paid and appreciated. You promised me nothing and over-delivered back alley transformation stage and starlight. Every time fed and paid and appreciated. Hey, smoke this dab and get existential with me. Back alley transformations, stage and starlight, value and worth seen through the trash. Hey, smoke this dab and get existential with me. Frosty slurred into darkness beyond the veil. Value and worth seen through the trash, rare as a unicorn. Frosty slurred into the darkness beyond the veil. Do you believe in unicorns? Oh, that's my frosty poem. I miss Frosty. It's really sad that he's dead. He was a good guy. He did a lot of drugs, but he didn't die of drugs. He died of uh, appendicitis. So go to the doctor if you ever have weird pains. Uh, he didn't teach me this, but it's something I always say. If, you know, if, if you've been doing cocaine for more than 24 hours, uh, you don't eat your boogers. You smoke them. All right. Uh, do you want to hear Jesus poem? I haven't done any of my Jesus. I've done a couple for you guys, but um, um, Aaron, do you remember the bar, the homestead? Yes, I remember hanging out with you there. Yes. Okay, so I've been eighty six there for a long time. <laughs> I got in trouble. Don't have sex with the bartender's friend because they hold a grudge. Isn't that funny? Isn't that funny how they do that? And they're you could ever. I still am not allowed back in there. No, no one's allowed in now because it's closed. But, uh, but this is called Jesus is a barback. Jesus got a job at the homestead so he could be closer and see me. Also, he wanted the drink discount. I sit behind the bar and watch him wash glasses. Glass after glass slams into the water. Soap water, blue water, clear. I used to walk on water, he shrugs. I used to love you, I mutter. So who wants to begin? It's a heavy thing to be so unrequited, he washes. Forty days without food is easier than losing you. You are more tempting than the devil. I should know, he smiles. I met him in the desert. 
I almost tell him that I'll always love him. That it's not him, it's me. He's too good for me. There isn't anyone else. I just need space. I knew this would happen. I am the son of God. He weeps blood from a wound after a bad cut from a glass in the sink. He lifts his eyes toward heavens. And I can't watch Jesus' sacrifice again. All right. Uh, <laughs> yay! Oh, here's another. This is a, this is a, another Jesus poem about uh, going on vacation. Jesus called Vacation. Jesus took me on a vacation to New Orleans. He says, or he likes it when I drink too much, so he has a reason to save me. We walk from bar to bar. No whiskey after 10 p.m., he chides, but it is 10 a.m. I lost him in the back room at Pals, slipped out the front door with a tranny man and a skateboarder on probation. I'm under surveillance too, I whispered. We nod in agreement, take shots of whiskey and make our escape. I knocked on the door seven hours later, smelling of glitter and smoke, threw up in the shower. Jesus tried to save me with water, but, the clean, but nothing clean would stay. He tried to hold me and say everything would be okay, put ice to my lips and cried when he thought I was sleeping. You need me, he breathed. I hated him more with every kind word, flipped to my shoulder, dismissed him with a grunt. Jesus took me to New Orleans thinking debauchery would bring us closer. But we never got drunk at the same time. He waited till I needed 12 hours sleep and snuck out to crash a wedding to make new friends and wine. He left a 20 next to the Bible. Get yourself something to eat. I spent it on booze. I found him slurring. Ooh. Oh, I, I found him slurring a sermon, baptizing glass shards on concrete, spewing salvation while I held his hair. Jesus. I haven't read that one in a long time. That's why it was hard to read. I'm sorry about the T word. It's an old poem and I and it I uh and so I didn't I I'll, I'll have to change that cuz that I didn't I didn't want anything to be um you know, triggering. Uh one last one about Jesus. Okay. Uh this is I want to break up with you, Jesus. Jesus is a boring boyfriend. He likes to watch TV and never wants to have sex. He constantly talks to other girls on the phone and stopped reading my poems. Jesus is always talking about other women, how he loves them differently than me. He worships nuns like they're his wives and is constantly buying birthday gifts. Jesus is a terrible boyfriend, spends three hours talking with his father and tells me I drink too much beer. Daddy thinks you're pregnant, he whines. Jesus hurt my feelings last Tuesday. Got drunk and said I wasn't good enough. Who could be? You can walk on water and then turn it into wine. What could be better? Restraining orders don't work on deities. He refuses to move out of the house. I don't want to split our DVD collection. And who will take the cat? Jesus weeps. I've broken up with Jesus three times, but he's denied my requests and locked himself in the bedroom again, dramatically cutting across, not down. Just another cry for help. Okay, yay! That's Jesus poems today. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> Not full 
Getting across and not down, right? Yeah. Cross hatch, warm bath, baby. Right. What does it go? Oh, Ron, anyways. I'm easily distracted. Jesus poems. Um, all right. So we'll take a break and then we'll go around again. Um, yeah. It's 8.56, so we'll come back at 9.10. How's that suit? Perfect. I'll play some uh, commercials here on Mutiny Radio, and we'll unplug the group, and we'll be back with poetry. Uh, thanks for listening to Mutiny Radio.fm and .sf. Yay, we're unplugged. You guys are all unplugged now. You're all unplugged now. You're all unplugged. You're all unplugged. Commercials. Is flat black plastic. Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of mutiny radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> As the world gets wackier and less predictable in every way, it is more important than ever for us to all remember our roots. We wouldn't be here today if our ancestors hadn't had the capacity and the skills to take care of themselves and their communities using the resources in the natural world around them and their own two hands. My name is Wonia Thibault of Buckskin Revolution and Alone Season 6, and I started Buckskin Revolution not just to empower people with a wider range of skills to meet their basic needs, but also to inspire them with a sense of fulfillment and connection that comes with living a little closer to the earth and using our bodies, our minds, and our very DNA for what they evolved to do to help us thrive without the need for modern technology and industry. If that sounds appealing to you, I hope you'll join me for the Fall 2020 Buckskin Revolution Online Skills Gathering, an eight-week learning experience designed to work within any schedule. It involves pre-recorded classes, live interactive sessions, and online community learning support from both myself and your fellow students. The need for these skills has never been more pressing, and Buckskin Revolution is working hard to bring them to you. I hope you can join us. Get connected with yourself and the world around you at buckskinrevolution.com. Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience, like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead persons? Oh, shoot. From time to time, I've been giving it a thought of two. You know, if you go to Joke Workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? 
I can get people to listen to my jokes. And they'll even say nice things, dude, before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dang nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! <laughs> I'm Michael Spiegelman. And I am Carl, not Spiegelman. Join us every Sunday, 2 to 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on mutinyradio.fm for... Let's watch a full-length movie on... YouTube. We watch the best movies that... uh, Aren't they good? Well, they're chosen by Uh, Here's his theme song again. Bye. Okay, bye. Watch a full-length movie. San Francisco, what are you doing this week? Come join Mutiny Radio Presents for four different comedy shows supporting local businesses in the Mission District and beyond. On Sunday, join us in the Tenderloin at Resolute Wine Bar, 678 Geary, for Barrel of Laughs at Resolute, an amazing comedy show with the best wines curated by Resolute. On Wednesdays, join us at Asiento. At and 21st and Bryant for dinner and a show at Asiento. Delicious tapas, incredible drinks, hilarious comedy. Wednesday nights at 7.30. On Fridays at 7 o'clock, join us outside mutinyradio.fm here at 21st and Florida. 7 o'clock for outdoor comedy, socially distanced in the street. And Saturdays, join us at Atlas Cafe SF at 20th in Alabama for Titans of Comedy every Saturday at 2 o'clock. Hey, keep supporting local businesses and comedy here in San Francisco with your friends at Mutiny Radio. St. Valentine's Day Mascara streaming live on Facebook Sunday, February 14th 11 a.m. An International Affair hosted by Ms. Noir. Do you crave a carnal couple? Are you longing for some lecherous lines? Is it seduction from a sultry sonnet that you're seeking? Or would you rather be ravaged by rhythm and drive? Care to venture a little voyeuristic versification with this lyrical libertine? Or could this haunting wordsmith leave you with an appetite for an allegorical adultery? Why not slake your literary lustings in a personal one-on-one? St. Valentine's Day Mascara. St. Valentine's Day Mascara. St. Valentine's Day Mascara. 14th of February 2021. 11am PST. Facebook Live. A date for everyone. Hosted by Ms. Noir. The Ministry of Lava manages our national lava resources to ensure that we will always have a steady supply of lava to operate the nation's active volcanoes. 
which in turn power our cities and methamphetamine labs. As a matter of national security, we need to reduce our dependence on foreign lava, which means an expansion of domestic lava drilling. As your chancellor, I will build lava wells all over the country, as well as secure access to more lava fields by invading Hawaii. Imagine orange gold spurting out from school playgrounds on the Great Plains and illuminating the Nebraska sky like fireworks on the 4th of July. Magma oozing over the rolling hills of Kentucky. Volcanic ash settling gently over homes in New England like fresh gray snow. If you want global lava markets to continue to be dominated by terriblest regimes like Iceland, Chile, and the Philippines, vote for my opponent, who sits in their back pocket as comfortably as Pahoehoe on the slopes of Kilauea. If you want the United States to stay competitive in the era of peak lava and beyond, then take a chance on the Chancellor. Are you looking for local handcrafted leather goods? Look no further than Skin on Skins, a local mission leather working shop. All original pieces handcrafted for you. Jackets, belts, purses, jewelry, everything made out of leather. You need your bicycle seat fixed? You want it in cool leather? Under can do it. You have a motorcycle that you want to fit out with side bags and cool stuff talk to under go to skinonskins.com that's s-k-i-n-o-n-s-k-i-n-s.com you just went to Folsom Street Fair and you don't have enough leather go see under everything is handcrafted and understated quality fine leather handcrafted goods for all of your needs he also does fixes maybe you love that jacket he'll put the zipper back in Talk to Under at SkinOnSkins.com at 20th and Mission. Check them out at SkinOnSkins.com. artist, music DJ, vinyl enthusiast, that is flat black plastic. This is Tuchel Matters with Mutiny Radio, big up to number one station, the ruling nation, give it to me every time. Ah! My name is Breakfast. And I'm running for Chancellor of the United States of America. For too long, we have gone without a Chancellor who is willing to take bold leaps of faith and logic. 
to create new possibilities for our great, big, fat nation. As your chancellor, I will balance the budget on the head of a pin, give entertaining speeches, have scandalous affairs, write strongly worded letters to unpopular foreign leaders, look good on camera, end all hunger, crime, abuse, war, disease, disasters, sadness, depression, oppression, repression, suppression, transgression, obsession, expression, impression, regression, and digression by signing pieces of paper that express my disapproval of such things. And invest in an American flag pin to be worn prominently on my stylish jackets. It's time to work together to take the country back from us and return it to ourselves. It's time to turn this country around and drive it into opposing traffic. It's time to take a chance on the Chancellor. Oppression, repression, suppression, transgression, obsession, expression, impression. And I don't know if you've noticed, but the oh, promo videos have started going up for Valentine's thing. We've had three up already. Keep an eye on for Ruby. We've had uh, Mel's, Rohan's, and Catrice's up. There's one going up a day midweek up until the week before or something. So I've just sent Miss Noir some gloves. <laughs> I think Aaron's on mute. Am I? Oh, no, you're good. You're good. There you are. Before we get back to the poetry, can I can I ask everybody like what your thoughts are on the crazy shenanigans of last Wednesday in the United States? Do you guys have any thoughts about our idiocy or? It's an attack on democracy, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I mean, Trump is just trying to create a race war, isn't he, between you know white men and black people, basically dividing the nation into two. Yeah. Well, and it's not just, I mean, black and brown and women. I mean, he hates women, too, if you think oh, about yeah. it. It's, you know, yeah. yeah, he doesn't. I always thought he was a dictator wannabe. I mean, he's palling mm -hmm. up with 
dictator as he talks about how the press is the enemy of the people he sends his you know supporters out to beat people up so yeah uh talks about hey you know uh let's change the constitution so i can have three terms instead Ugh. of two and all that kind yeah. of stuff all the you know all the all the dirty dirty tricks that uh, those guys play and, and he drip feeds his poison. That's the that's the most disturbing thing. Because what he's doing is he's changing the whole theater of, of democracy really yeah. within America. You know, yeah. and it's and it's just insidious. Well, and he is the ongoing. fake it. He's the fake it till you make it president. He's the first time that he's actually embodied what the United States has been saying for a long time is that uh, discipline and actual work and spending time at things doesn't matter because reality TV is just lazy fiction. That's all it is. And he was a reality TV maven. It basically takes people's lives and says, hey, everything you do is so exciting and interesting, except it's not. We're going to take 100 hours of your life and we're going to condense it into 60 minutes. Of course, out of 100 hours, one hour can be rad, but it's lazy fiction writing. What happened to the F. Scott Fitzgeralds? What happened to the people writing fiction that were actually stories that mirrored what was happening in our life? Now, actually what's happening with our lives and then manipulating it in this strange, like massaging it into this drama. It's I think it's it's just lazy. As a result of POMO, though, right? Like of postmodernism generally, like I mean. Like and the rule of the author, and then the non-rule of the author, et cetera, et cetera. But I think you're absolutely right. Like, mm-hmm. I keep telling people, like, he's a reality show president. These people voted for him because they believed the mm. reality show. Yeah, that's right. Like a successful businessman, which I don't. I mean, yeah. Like I don't. I guess, but I just except thought he's not a successful businessman. Yeah, I think it's so ironic that he's called Trump because in the UK, Trump means fart. Yeah. Ah, it does it? <laughs> oh, that's yeah, so that's funny. Good. And I think it's yeah. ironic because we've got a Johnson as a prime minister. Right in the oh. jokes. Just, and we've got a special relationship, dick, basically you know, a giant ass. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I, I kind of think what sums it up just before last week when his son was out there saying this is no longer the Republican Party, this is Donald Trump's Republican Party. Gross. You know that that is that's just dictatorship, you know, that's just total, total. Yeah. There's not even hiding it. Not even hiding it now. Well, if twenty-five percent of the people think that the government is not legitimate, then it's possible that the U.S. may be kind of in a state of like perma insurrection. Mm. Like, yeah. Mm. yeah. I mean, what else do you? I don't know. What insurrection. It's the thing is that all of these lazy millennials that we have, this is their dream. They get free money. They don't have to do anything. They get to sit at home and play PlayStation and listen to podcasts. And watch Netflix ubiquitously and not do anything. They get to get their everything Amazoned in. This is like the dream life for so many people. They're like, ha, huh, they just give me money to sit around. This is the best. It's often all the ones that are dying, of course. <laughs> well, I mean, I got te- I get my test results back today they I, I get tested once a week just because i'm here and i want to make sure that if anyone is oh. here they stay safe and i've been negative every time i'll let you guys know when i get my results that if i'm i'm sure i'm negative again but 
Yeah. Well, do they do the thing where they shove the uh, shove those swab all the way up your up your nose? Yeah, it's no yeah. big deal. I've done it like six times yeah. now. Okay. Uh, like seriously, I go right. every week. I wait in line. It's free in the tenderloin, six feet distance. Oh, okay. They do this thing. You get in line. They they talk to you why they do it, so they kind of confuse you, so you don't really pay attention. It's no big deal. Yeah. Swabby swabby. You walk along. They text you the next day. I don't understand why everybody's not doing it. So, so, so they, they don't drive by in a car with a swab and say, hey, baby girl, want to... No, that would be fun. That would be good, though. I... <laughs> we, haven't, we haven't moved into that level of fascism yet. You still get okay. the choice if you want them to put it up. They actually ask you for consent. It's very cool. Before they stick it up your nose, they go, do you give us consent to give you this procedure? And it's like, yes. Of course, yes. <laughs> so... of course I did. And of course, yeah, okay. if you go that's, to the UK, what you've got to do it yourself? <laughs> no, no, you don't have to. You can go get tested. I had to get tested about six, six, eight weeks ago. I got sick. I don't know why I'm so fucking freaked out that Pam is smoking from a bar right now. Oh, when I got, I got tested, I had San to Francisco. do it myself in, in the test place. <laughs> yeah, no, I had to go get a get like a what a bit like what Pam's saying, like a like a drive-in test. They have a um. I could choose. I could have a test sent to me, or I could, or I could go get it. But because of my work, I wanted to make sure I got a test quick. Mm. So I drove to uh, Milton, which is just north of Cambridge, where there's like a park and ride, and they've got the testing places at the in the sort of back of the park and ride car park. Um, and I just drove. I, I got a. I booked it online. I got like a QR code. I drove in. They uh, do a recognize your plate check. They scan the QR. Mm. They were like, is this you? Yes, that's me. Um, no, they, they showed me the, um, like they showed me what came up on their screen, my date of birth and everything. Yeah. I, it's frozen, hasn't it? Yeah. No, my bandwidth is going low, but I don't know why. Uh, no, it didn't freeze. You're okay. Oh, no, it's really weird. You all froze. And my, oh, my God, you were fine. Said my bandwidth is no, so you literally you, you drive you drive in, but I went through the entire gamut of human emotion having my test. Well, but you you actually had <laughs> symptoms. You felt sick. Is that what happened? You just got um, a cold. I had a temp. I had a temperature and a cough. Uh. and I was pretty sure it wasn't, but because of the people that I work with, um, to half my clients are clinically vulnerable or vulnerable oh, for age. So I'm super super careful. Yeah. No, um, I, I look like a bandit going to work at the minute. But you were negative, <laughs> um, yeah? Were you? Did you test negative? Yeah, yeah, I was negative, yeah. but I got the results within, like, I had a test at, like, 8 in the morning on the Monday, I think, and I had the test results by half past 5 the following morning. Yeah. That's good, yeah. Yeah, I had my test at had the results by 6 the following morning. Yeah, oh. it's, 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 when it's done right, it's done quick. My friend gets tested like you every week because he's a an in-home carer, mm. so he goes to people's houses and he he um he has like a batch of them, like the home test, what Christine was saying, and he just does the thing every week, puts it in a in a envelope, sends it away, and they and it's got like a code on, um and he gets the results back through his I don't know if it's through the NHS app or through the um through the his work i'm not really sure but he just they just send it back it, but i've never had one symptoms of the people that are exempt from certain things but they he has to get tested it's a contractual obligation for him to get tested every week 
Yeah, I, I think every, anybody who's out should. Like if you're a bus driver or if you're, and I'm just doing it because I do come in contact with a couple different people and I just, I wanna be the litmus test for this place. Like if I get it, if I test positive, everything shuts down. Oh. Like I would completely just be like, no one's allowed in here. Who got it? We got it. We're a vector. Ah! And so I'd shut it all down. But until yeah, that no, happens. You're, you're, you're really wise. You're really wise. Yeah. And I think that my thing is, is like, um, so I've now, and my, my work is now at about 40% of capacity, what I normally do. But both of the people that I'm going to, one is an old lady. She doesn't go anywhere. So if anybody takes it in, it's going to be me which is fucking scary. Yeah. And then the other lady is a lady who's um, got MS and I go and do things, stuff, household stuff for her. Um, but I'm masked up, capped up. I have a clean set of everything when I go to a job and I take a lot off and it goes in the, la in the quarantine laundry when I go home. So I'm super cautious yeah. and I'm probably more cautious than I should be, but I was talking to a doctor, former doctor friend of mine last night and he was like, um, for a start, uh, excellent homemade, um, you know, punk PPE. I love it. And, <laughs> but um, you're doing the right thing. And yeah, that was actually really thing. nice because it's knackering. It's really tiring doing it, all of that. But I'm when somebody like that says, you know, you're doing the right thing, I think, oh, thank God. <laughs> yeah. Reassuring. Yeah, it's nice. And, uh, and it's hot. And it was one thing having, because I wear like a, um, like a scrub cap because yeah. the biggest thing is droplet shed right so yeah. when I'm working if I get hot I'm gonna sweat it's not so bad now it's sweat too I thought to it was spit I thought this whole time it was snot and spit I didn't well, know it was sweat too I don't I don't I don't know it's just the biggest thing is is what you aerosol sure so that's yeah, why you wear a mask um but when I when I went back to work in the summer when I stopped being furloughed yeah, they were on about droplet shed. So I just made like cotton scrub caps. I look sexy. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just stay away from the tenderloin. That's all I have to say. <laughs> it's not likely to be on my agenda, but honestly, it's like putting a mask on is probably something I should have done a long time ago because I work with, you know, obviously cleaning chemicals and stuff like that. Yeah. It's so. so funny how people are like, Oh, the mask, they don't do anything, blah, blah, blah. They cause damage. You're like, yeah, I think if they caused damage, we would have been hearing that from doctors and nurses yeah. and doctors and welders. Like, no, these hundred years. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? This is the first, this is the first year that I can remember in the history of remembering that I haven't gotten a cold, a flu, I haven't thrown up, I haven't gotten any anything. I haven't, I, there's no allergies, no sniffles, no fevers, nothing. Yep. I stopped biting I, my I nails. I've not, I, <laughs> nice. I, I didn't, I didn't realize that tr sickness and transmission, like actually, I'd never thought about it. Like the, the way that yeah, I do now. I, I, I always just have just because I'm always catching stuff from people who are just coughing on me and things. It's like, oh, gee, you know, you know. The person at work has conjunctivitis from their kids, you know, eye infections, like, oh, God. You know. Well, you know what that is. You know what pink eye is. It's just when you get poop in your eye. It's just poop in your eye. It's just, that's all it is. That's all. Virus. Virus. Poop. Nasty. Do you continue poetry? Yeah, poetry, or... poetry. 
is, has anybody not given their two cents on the insurrection Nile dysfunction of the United States that they want to get in before we move on? Going once. Yeah, now's the time to tell the tell San Francisco what you what do you think over there about us being idiots? No one was wearing masks, by the way, at that whole insurrection. None of those idiots were wearing masks. And I'm like, so you think you don't you don't believe in it? You don't believe in it. How is it that you don't the deny the lie? I mean, I live in a fantasy world of my own creation. Republican uh, congressmen were sheltering without masks, and now some of the Democrats came down with COVID, including somebody that was uh, 70 years old and had oh. cancer. And so, yeah, thanks, thanks, guys. Yeah. Wow. I just I can't believe okay. that people are just like, yeah, it doesn't exist. It's not real. It's like it's so real. What else do you need to? to... <sighs> My brother-in-law and his entire family, or his, my brother-in-law's brother, so I guess that makes him my brother-in-law, right, by extension, I don't know, yeah. his whole family had it, like his three-year-old and his seven-year-old and his wife, and Whoa. they are like Trumpers, and they totally were, it was like, it was weird, and they had, had my sister's kids sleeping over at their house, so my sister's kids were totally exposed, Oof. then exposed my her husband, then exposed my parents and my brother. So it was like a little nerve-wracking for a while. This is like yeah. a half ago or two months ago. It was a little <sighs> nerve-wracking for a while because we didn't know. Like, they literally had it. And once they found <clears> out, <throat> they had it isolated or whatever. But, you know, it's like it was freaking communicable before yeah. Yeah, we began showing Awesome. And then apparently, like, I mean, uh, these are all like the, that whole, my sister's, my in-laws, I guess, like my sister's in-laws and that's mine. They are all conservatives. And it was sort of like, the weird thing was they, my sister ended up finding out that they had known that they had it or they had suspected and didn't say anything. (gasps) So there's like some weird, like I keep comparing it to like, I mean, I think most of us will remember like dealing with HIV and learning how to protect yourself from HIV in the eighties and the nineties and like how it was kind of common, especially among straight communities, like to, or cisgender and like, like you'd be like, Oh, you don't have it. Like, that's okay. We'll just not use a condom. You don't have it surely. Right. And you're just a bit, but it's it's totally stupid. You know what I mean? Like people, I think still behave that way. I mean, I don't know about kids, like people younger than me, but like, or the generations younger than me, who I think may be more used to using condoms. No, they're more used to calling each other and saying when they have chlamydia. Like they don't have a problem being like, hey, you know what? Found out I got, uh, I got chlamydia. So you, you should really take the, you should take the antibiotics. And they just text each other, you know, like they text, there's a, I'm sure there's an emoji that looks like chlamydia or something. <laughs> it's just like, oops. There's an app for that. It's like, it's, like it's, there's some sort of weird, like a uh, pride issue in admitting that you have it or admitting that you might be at risk, et cetera, et cetera. I feel like, like, which makes no sense. I mean, it was one thing with the HIV because of the sexual stigma. Like, oh, you're a slut. So yeah, yeah. 
Clearly you have HIV, like HIV, but like actually one time in the early nineties in college, I had this kid hit on me. He like had a crush on me, but then he, he was a frat bro and he took me to one of his frat parties. And then later he confronted me about whether I had HIV because his frat bros had seen me model for a life drawing class and I was hairy and I had been wearing a tampon in the life drawing class. Okay, that's awesome. Based on that's awesome. I had HIV. I love that you had a tampon <laughs> string hanging out in a is, life I mean, drawing is, class. Is that how you get it? They never told us that in sex. So. <laughs> I was like, if I'm so disgusting that I'm like not fuckable, how do I, how did I get HIV? Like the first place. <laughs> the place like, I don't know. But I mean, this is a little more conversation I have with the guy. In fact, let's just point it out. His name was Ashok Pai. He was from Chicago. <laughs> like, Shots fired. He was a member of the frat Sigma Chi. Oh, the Sigma Chi's, even in San, you know San Diego. Oh, my God. They were always known as, like, the date rapists. You knew. Don't, <laughs> if you go to a Sigma Chi party, I, oh don't God. have more than five beers and never stay in anyone's room. I mean, I grew up in the 90s. It was, like, Date rape was, I mean, I'm sure it's still real, but it was fucking real. And it'd be like, this is going to happen to you. And people would blame you. They'd be like, come on, you went to a Sigma Chi party and you slept in his room. What did you think was going to happen? It's like, I passed out. They're like, well, duh. And then it was like victim blaming of like, you didn't get raped by a Sigma Chi. Are you kidding? What? Oh, the 90s. My point is it's like it doesn't it seems it's such a weird disconnect to have this like sort of ego problem about being like what and the reason i'm saying that is because of the my brother my brother-in-law's brother like hiding the fact that you suspected it until it was confirmed and therefore putting people at risk his own father has it's just like man i don't under like what's that about like if i had a cough i mean I just took the ferry from Gla- from Belfast to Glasgow, and I'm self-isolating, even though the UK government is not requiring me to self-isolate because I'm in the, in the some exception, because it's traveling from the UK to the UK. Like, it's except. For some reason, that's yeah, exempt yeah. isolation. But I'm not doing that. Like, I'm getting my food delivered. Like, I got, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to go out and go to the shop. You're a sensi- because you're a sensible human. Right. That's right. Responsible. I think, I think that's, I think that's the, the thing. I think there is a huge, people don't, under, people, people don't understand. So people don't understand statistics. No. They don't understand. So I, I, and I realized that I'm privileged that that was part of my, that 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 was part of my degree education. I had to know about those things to do the thing that I did. So, so people don't understand those big numbers. So when you say like, uh, 98% of people will survive, for instance. So yeah, 98% of people will survive. But of the, but when you extrapolate, you know, when you bring that right out to the amount of numbers. Yeah. And also people are surviving. But at what cost? Yeah. For crying yeah, out loud. Yeah. The, the, but just the yeah, I know long COVID, right? So you can you can think something's not real, right? Ken and I had a conversation in February Last on the on the, tra- on the train. He's he's not there. He's disappeared. Went to gone to get a cup of tea. But Ken and I traveled. Watching the opera, dog. <laughs> <laughs> 
we travel together regularly because the train that he gets on to Cambridge, it comes through where I live and I get on and we meet on the train. Oh, oh you travel with the opera dog? No, with Ken, you nana. <laughs> that would be entertaining traveling with the, it's entertaining traveling with yeah. Ken, I've got to tell you. But um, it would be equally uh, very entertaining traveling with an opera dog. But, um, and he was saying, I remember us having a conversation then, something about, um, you know, if actually people on public transport wore masks like they do in Japan, and stuff like that, then we wouldn't have the same kind of communicable illness mm-hmm. problems yeah. that we do yeah. have. But mm. I've seen so many things. You, you can, you know, you can, but people don't understand about um, like disease transmission, any kind of these. Not, I mean, COVID's no, like, but it's like, um, it's like the big, huge example of it. But um, I know so many people who are immune suppressed because of the medication they need to take for long term conditions or because of the, uh, you know, the condition that they have underlying. Um, who, you know, some, no, John, were you saying somebody, some dude ended up with it who's got cancer? Yeah. Like, that's, that's what they say. One of the one of the Democratic uh, congressmen had can has cancer and got COVID after the uh, just be uh, after a, respect, be a respectable the, human yeah. being. Yeah. yeah. And just you know, don't have a necessary exposure to somebody who's already going through yeah, something exactly. like that. You know, just just yeah. anyway. We we had a friend. Um, Sadly, she, she died very suddenly at the end of April, nothing to do with COVID. She just didn't handle the treatment that she was having too well, and she died very suddenly. She was terrified because she literally became clinically vulnerable overnight yeah. on mm. diagnosis mm. and had to then isolate in order to be able to go in and, and start having the treatment that she was oh, that mm. she was having. Unfortunately, she didn't cope with the treatment, uh, and she, she got very sick. We miss her very much, but she was it's not hard some i read very early in the pandemic somebody said what what was the something like what would be the biggest thing to stop uh to you know flu season and like and that's the thing and the answer the answer was um sick pay ah sick pay That's yeah. so smart. It's it's, it's, oh, it's, totally it's, it's rubbish here. Yeah. I can tell you that from personal experience, right at this very second. Yeah. Yes. And, and, and the people and, and the people who language. don't have sick pay are the people who are making your food, and then the people who are coughing and okay. you know yeah. in, in, in your food or you know. Well, you know the, other, the other thing that people don't realize is about vaccines. The vaccine is not going to stop you from getting COVID. What it's going to do is, if you do get it, is to make it less serious. And people don't realise yeah. that. So they think when they've got get the shot, oh, they can yeah. just go out and do everything again, and they can't. Well, you've got you know you can't. You well, I think they're not sure. They, they, you may you may be right, but they're not really sure that it, whether you can spread it or not if you have the vaccine. Well, they can for the first three weeks because it doesn't take a yeah. grip onto the first yeah, three yeah. weeks. Understood. Understood. Yeah. Mm. You have to pro- produce antibodies, but this is the thing. Maybe this is going to actually mean that people understand that you know going to work when you're coughing and sneezing is putting people at risk well in the united states we've always been taught tough it out always go go to school tough 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 
and and so you know people kids kids get prizes for being you know for attending school all year when it's actually just dumb luck if you can do that yeah yeah i mean yeah send people home if they're you know if they're sick and they're contagious go home i you know like so i they pride themselves oh my god anyways i work for a major research university in the united states and um they pride themselves on being like you know, cutting ends and blah, blah, blah. They only work with Harvard and Oxford and whatever. But like once COVID started and they started, first of all, I started working there when I got my job. Uh, one of the reasons why I took the job was because my boss told me that it didn't matter where I was as long as I was like available online, which was a very sort of like Silicon Valley type work arrangement. So I was like, cool, because I was in Chicago and very surprised when I moved back to Chicago to find that the internet age really hadn't caught up with the Midwest, but like, but now, so, but proving my point five years after I took this job, like once they sent everybody home for COVID and had them working for home, the HR people are apparently like crawling up the employees asses about like, cause they do not believe that people can are working from home. So they're like asking them to fill out like outrageously micromanagey time. Prove to us that you're working hard. (laughs) Really? Well, actually, studies in the UK have shown that people do work harder at home than they do at work. (laughs) You could feel guilty because you're pajamas, et cetera, et cetera. Do you know what I mean? Like, I just, but it was like, it was such a like, I mean, I know it's, you know, sort of lame to feel triumphant in these sort of travails and miseries, but, like, I was like, ha, see, those people are fucking living in the goddamn fucking 60s, like, why don't they believe that you could, that you're working from home, you know, like, anyways, whatever, but, I mean, there's still, like, that whole notion that you should show up and be, still be sick and be like, yeah, it's always bugged me, especially as a nocturnal person. Anyways. Yeah, you can work when you want to work. I, I've always hated the idea of punching into a clock and you need to be productive from this hour to this hour. Well, you know, what if and oh, I, what if the job that I can accomplish doesn't take eight hours? What if I can do it in four hours? What if I'm better, faster, stronger? Why? Why? What? I got to sit here for four other hours twiddling my thumbs and playing on Facebook. You don't have to just pay me the same amount of money. Let me I'll get the work done. Back and to interestingly, poetry. that's not very social Darwinist, is it? Like, oh, we're all social Darwinist until it comes to making you punch in a clock and sit at a desk for fucking eight hours arbitrarily. Yeah. Right? Like, and then, but yeah, anyway, sorry. Okay. Ken's back. Uh, poetry. Okay. Uh, we just admitted someone else to the room, too. Uh, so there's a new person here. I don't know if they want to read. Really? Lisa was the first. I'm just going around the list again. It doesn't look like Lisa is here. So, Ken, hi, you're back. I'm back. I've always, I'm, hopefully you're not offended by this, but I feel very much when I look at you, like we're on QI. (laughs) (laughs) And who am I then? Does that make me Sandy Toxvig? No, she doesn't wear flowered shirts, does she? It's Alan. I've nearly got the hair now. (laughs) Okay, is it? I'm so interested in what they're doing with her hair, but sorry to interrupt. Oh, sorry. Right, is it? Is it me now? Yes, yes you. Oh, it's me now. Okay, it's me. Ha uh-huh. ha. Right. Okay, then I'm gonna I'm gonna make everyone. Now we've had this nice chat about 
health and all that kind of stuff. I'm going to really uh, raise the mood here. Uh, this is a poem I ought to give a content warning for anybody who's lost a loved one to terminal illness. This is called Oromorph. And if you don't know what Oromorph is, don't worry, you'll find out. The poem will tell you. Oromorph. They make it sweet, too sweet, sickly, a syrup. But there's none escapes the aftertaste, that bitter taint of poppy on the tongue. Go easy now, she says, occasional sips when needed, never more. The contents of this bottle are enough to kill you, twice. We thank the nurse for her advice and make our way back to the car, catch each other's eye, and there's no stopping us. We're laughing, laughing hard. Are they worried I might accidentally die of the wrong thing? Later it gets bad and I'm left wondering, was she warning us or offering empowerment, escape? You never got to finish off that bottle. I still have it. Keep it, per instructions, in a cool, dark place. Two thirds full. Not yet past its use-by date. That's cheered everybody up. Right. Um, yeah, let's, let's try and bring the mood up a bit. Uh, I was in a writing um, workshop recently with uh, the one that Faye runs at Allographic, and I wasn't getting anywhere with the prompts. So Faye said, do this exercise. It involves writing down all the words that describe a lemon. And it was like timed and things, and you had to have a finished thing after 10 minutes and so on. Well, I, I managed to write down a few words and phrases, and then I kind of went off at a tangent. So I, so, I suppose it, uh, it ended up achieving its, its goal. So this was the result. This is called Lemons. Now take your lemons, says the book, and zest them. And I'm screwed. Three quarters in, an hour gone. The worktop a disaster. Hair a freeze frame blast of flour and oil and egg and umpteen other icky, licky, far too sticky things by now. And frankly, I'm not in the mood for this. Don't take that piss. What lemons, fuck's sake? Shite. Since when were they an item on that overlong ingredient list? Oh, hang on. There they are. I missed them underneath that jam stain. Damn it. Shit. And that's how I came up with it. The life hack I'm now famous for has made my name a byword in domestic, stressed out, help me Jesus, mother of invention kitchens up and down the land. When life won't give you lemons, get creative. Think outside the fridge. Toilet duck surprise cake, anyone? Mr. Muscle multi-surface five-in-one meringue? Thank you, that's me done. Oh, the oh my gosh. I was like, just like <laughs> I'm always on mute and I'm like, ah, and then I go like, oh, no, sorry. Um, <laughs> thanks, Kevin. Uh, I had um, my my boyfriend, who you guys all saw on December 30th, the magician, he made a sandwich for me the night before the insurrection at the Capitol, where I kept 
smell like I was eating and I kept smelling some weird chemical smell and then like I smelled everything but then I turned it over and there was fairy soap on the bread (laughs) which is dishwashing soap Pam um (laughs) anyways that's not rinsing your plates properly that is no it was his hands that he did not rinse properly but it's not how you make fairy bread (laughs) (laughs) maybe telling you wash your mouth out girl (laughs) (laughs) i'm uh, it was like so funny and i was telling my brother how like people here don't rinse their dishes and i think that's what you said it's on switching into Anyways, John, do you want to go next? Sure, I'll go next. Um, so um, these are some of the author series of author houses. Uh, and uh, a former girlfriend, we were uh, doing um, a trip uh, through Prince Edward's Island in Canada, and, and we stopped at the... Uh, farmhouse that the uh, the author of Anne of Green Gables uh, lived at and uh, yeah I never read the book but I decided to you know rewrite it a little bit more Hemingway and I suppose you'd have a con you know a content warning on this one it's called at the farmhouse that inspired Anne of Green Gables I can almost see her strands of red hair over pale breast warm browning automatic and empty gin bottle on her dresser while the strict school marm's body cools in the drawing room life would never return to normal even after blistering those pretty hands digging a six-foot hole in the garden the sound of automatic weapons fire from the gorillas in the hills grew closer by the day and that briefcase of rum runner's cash could not buy the constable's silence. So she fled to Paris, survived by lowering her panties under the Pont Neuf, the few francs paid by sweaty workmen, enough for a glassine envelope of Turkish heroin. Part of the lost generation, she slept with rats and fleas until Gertrude Stein taught her the pleasure of a woman's tongue. Then to Spain in a doomed affair with Lorca, she joined the Abraham Lincoln Brigade, was captured by Franco's forces, and the interrogating officer shoved his thick fingers under her skirt. He found the hidden hand grenade, its pin removed seconds before. Um, I never went to Charles Bukowski's house, but I wrote a poem about it anyway, and it has the uh, clever title of Bukowski's house. Even in death, he guards his privacy, his ghost cussing out fans and would-be gawkers. So I send my imagination, infiltrating the San Pedro city limits, prowling where he lived. The one-story house of brick and wood front window was cyclops eye peering unconcerned while the outside world goes on its foolish way chain link fence no garage only a weathered bmw parked one wheel off the driveway on dying grass i enter not for the alcohol-fueled rages nor for the screaming women breaking glass 
but for the 4 a.m. solitude, notebooks to fill, Brahms on the radio. Waking at noon, plastic upholstered chair at the kitchen table, tattered bathrobe and walk to the mailbox, the safety of the warm Southern California breeze. No place more important. Do you want another one or is that good? One more? Okay. Another in the author series. Um, so actually went to, um, uh, in Buenos Aires, actually stopped by uh, uh, Borges, his house, and there's a little brass plaque on the outside saying, yeah, Borges grew up here, but please don't uh, bother the occupants. So this is Borges' house. Buenos Aires, wooden door, brass plaque. A request, do not bother the tenants. I recite. 14 words, 40 syllables, a magic spell written with a Jaguar's pen, 14 words, 40 syllables, and I'm inside. Mirrors, shadows, a map of a fictional country, under white sheets, Simulcra, a knife fighter, carnation behind his ear, sorcerer with a bull's head, the man whose father was a dream. Two Borges argue the nature of the soul. In the library, each book, a random permutation of all letters that fit its pages. At least one contains this poem. Thanks, everybody. What? Oh, God. Like that scared me. I thought my entire computer had been disconnected because John went black. <laughs> I was like, ah! Um, okay, so going back through the list, the next person is back. What do you think? Yes, no? All right. Follow my video. And I'm muting myself. Um, hmm. Survival or weather? Yes. <laughs> I agree. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you guys are no help. <laughs> well, it's cold here today, so I'm going to read the weather one instead. It's just called forecast. Then, a sky like a steel fist. Standing ready to punch out lights and rain on parade, gathering in strength nothing between you and the Russian steppe as the wind comes whistling through. Stepping off the train, smells of damp earth and darkness. Land rising to meet you, remind you that this is where you are now. From brighter lights and bigger city to lantern lit island and seed bright ridge, floating in a peat dark sea. Outside, heavy sky and heavy soil mingle, creating a perfume we all wear. But you only smell it then, because it is here. It is life, absorbed in every breath. Mud-slung clouds hanging, threaten thunder, to soak this inland ocean and fill up the fence. Now, a wall of heat so strong you wonder if it would hurt to kick it. 
The smell is hot metal and murk, as dense as what lies beneath your feet and face as you lie down, waiting for the storm. Because it is a season of, um, for, well, it's a scene quite a lot of remembering tonight. Um, I remember to you the words and the unique voice of our loved friend Pauline Radley. This is called Back Road to Cambridge, Christmas Eve. White cold winter glares at me from the garden, daring me to put out washing. Lift my head, walk the earth. Winter glows orange, brazen across bare land. I am white cold driving, staring ahead, shouting her name. Wide, wet winter. Inland sea let in, waiting for another invader overhead, reflecting sky. White, wide wings, swooping across bare land. Returning seasons past, dragging me back home. Water, winter bright, has my superstitious soul greeting mad magpies as I drive, staring into the sun, willing the light to stay. I literally wrote the first draft of that in a lay-by somewhere behind Water Beach, on my way back from Cambridge. Um, Pauline, Pauline, Allographic took a hit last year, didn't we? Yeah, um, Pauline had been sick for some time, and a uh, year gone Christmas, she was in Adam Brooks. And um, I set off making a blanket, because I'm weird, um, in about October, November time, just because I like the wool, really. I was not <laughs> no other reason, and then we heard that Pauline was sick, so I just kind of crocheted faster. <laughs> but I drove to Cambridge on Christmas Eve morning, just shouting, no, uh, so just over a year ago, to, uh, Christmas 2019. Um, she came home in January with palliative care and she Isn't passed it? at the end of March. Huh? Isn't it 2021? It is now, yes. I wrote that at Christmas of 2019. I was like, when you said that, I thought you meant like no, yeah. no, and um, that was that was Christmas 2019. I did make a blanket last year as well, but that wasn't for Pauline. <laughs> Wait, I, I keep fucking that up. Like, it can like, generally be assumed that at any given point in human <laughs> history, Beth is making a blanket. So yeah. <laughs> no, I was making. I was making. Oh, it's true. Actually. Oh, that's scary. It's true. Yeah, I made I made that one over Christmas, including taking it to my daughter's carol concert when it was absolutely freezing. I was so glad. I was desperately trying to get it finished in time to take it to, to Ian for Pauline. And um, it was I was so desperate. I took it to the school carol concert with me, but it was already quite large. It's a good job because it was so cold in there. I just kind of surreptitiously kept working on it and moving it round as we sat there. <laughs> but yeah, we I took that in. So we miss we miss her voice. She uh, she spoke through a trach, so she really did have a very sorcerous voice and um, and a really wicked streak of dark 
emo, which we enjoyed very much. Has has Beth frozen for everybody? She has frozen for everybody. Oh, she's she's unfrozen. Now. Yeah, she's back. Oh, I don't know what's going on in here tonight. Dave's downstairs watching Fantastic Four. Perhaps that's what it is. Or X Men something. I, I watched The Matrix over break for the first time, but I don't want to talk about it. Christine? Yeah, no, please don't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I've got three old ones. This first one's self explanatory. It's called Anorexia. I look into the mirror, and what do I see? Acres of flesh that belong to me. I put on a dress. And what do I feel? Filled with shame at my ghastly frame. I go to the cupboard to fill up my plate. And what do I eat? One pea and a grape. I look at other people and what do I see? Perfect figures and clothes that don't fit me. I don't get weighed as I know I'm fat. Mirrors don't lie, so I rely on that. My flesh it is sore and I feel every bone when I lie or I sit. But Nothing's amiss. My parents, they tell me I need to eat more. But what do they know? They begat a monster who's fat. I walk very slow, but I've not far to go. Just ten steps from the house to the ambulance open door. I collapse on the bed. I can't lift my head. They want me to eat, but that would be a defeat. I look at the doctor. He looks at me. He shakes his head, but what does he see? He sees a body or skin and bone that makes him so sad he gives a silent groan. But what do I care? I've won my victory. I've reached size zero. It's a child's coffin for me. The first one. The second one's a little bit lighter, but it's uh, about pollution, really. It's called The Plant in All Innocence Bloomed. The plant in all innocence bloomed, spread its petals wide, sent in the air with bee aphrodisiac for the wind to broadcast. It waited patiently that day, on the next day too. The sun rose and shone and rain fed it with life, droplet shiny and bright. On day three, its petals began to lose their sheen. Day four, they curled up at their ends. Day five, the plant cried as its petals fell off one by one. As the days unfurled, it shriveled and died, as all around it too. The sun and rain watched in despair, but without the bees, there was nothing they could do. And the very last one is called Country Boy. Country Boy, living in the city, Lost and unfound with no one around, country boy living in the city. Feeling low with no place to go, had a hard time, no money, no hope. On the streets, in the dirt and the grime. Life's not pretty when you're down on your luck. No one gives a fuck, as, gives a second look as they walk on past. Smells the fumes and feels despair. No way back off this futile beaten track. As he pounds the streets, lost alone, bereft. In the doorway, out of the rain, sleeping bag sudden, a life of pain. 
Amidst the ruts and garbage smells, he lives his life a living hell. He lays his head down, his heart gives out. His last breath clouds as all around the traffic sounds, drowned his feeble words unheard. No way home, only one more piece of garbage on the grey streets, he dies alone. Country boy, dead in the city, lost and unfound, with no one around. Country boy, dead in the city. like that a lot even though so i'm from a big death city. Poems yeah <laughs> <laughs> well you just see them don't you, you just see yeah. people lost and unfound lying on the streets yeah really and i think it came for me 